0: Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hello there. And Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father Andrew. hello. Hello. Uh so uh hello there was totally an Obi-Wan uh, th- reference
1: I, I'm sure and I couldn't I couldn't repeat that. I usually <laughs> do that but Pat beat me to it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Oh well, I let, sorry about that. <laughs> I let her go first this time. So uh this week we're it's it's a Thanksgiving week is a slow news week, especially in the tech industry, it, it, unless we want to talk about Cyber Monday deals, which is apparently the only thing that was anyone was talking about in tech, uh, which, I, frankly, we talked about Christmas shopping list last week. But uh, this time we can talk about something that's an, a, sort of a perennial concern, a question, one of these uh, discussions that I think we all need to have, to, we need to think about, and that is about your Wi-Fi security in your home. Uh, Pretty much these days, if you have internet access, you have a Wi-Fi router in your house. Uh, And uh, it's a complicated little device that really is important important for your own privacy and security. It, and you got to keep it managed prop, properly. And they're not always easy to do. Uh, these days they are getting a little better. Some of them you can even do it from your phone. But even then, some of the concepts in the language is still fairly technical. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about some Wi-Fi, some home Wi-Fi security tips. And uh, we've got a couple of articles that list a bunch of them. And we're going to kind of go through some of these uh, to 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 discuss it now. One of the things I I want to kind of start out talking about something specific to my setup. I have the Eero, which is a mesh Wi-Fi router. Uh, it's fairly advanced. Eero is now owned by Amazon. It's fairly advanced, and we have um a uh, so it's mesh, which means that there are some uh satellite units that help spread that bathe the whole house in Wi a Wi-Fi signal. Uh, and it's managed via uh, an app on my phone. Uh, which is a it, different because there's no other way to manage it. You can't access it like like routers used to be from a mm. c- special web page and your web browser. It's just the app, which is uh, can be a limitation for some people. What do you What do you all have for your Wi-Fi routers, Father Andrew? What
1: are you using? I was just pulling mine up. Um, <laughs> I have a <laughs> I have a Linksys uh, router, and so I I still can go to the IP address and and manage my router through the through just a a web browser. Okay, um, and I forget exactly the model number, but I just bought it within the last few months when I moved to to the new parish. They had been, they had a really old router, and that's why I just got rid of it and yeah, and got a new one. So it, and I just have the one, and I don't I don't need anything more than that. It it hits everything that I would need it to. <laughs> right. um, I have my my iMac is is hardwired to it for for podcast purposes, but it also reaches everywhere in the rectory that I would need it to. So. And are you primary, the primary user, like, just yourself? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm the only one. The, the office, even though it's kind of, it's attached to the rectory through a breezeway, but the office has its own uh, wireless router, its own okay. separate network. Yep. So I am, I am the primary user of the rectory's Wi-Fi, and I'm the only one who has knowledge of the... The, uh, the password.
0: The password you have to connect to the, to the network. Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> How about you, Pat? Well, I have a a router that I bought that connects to our Spectrum. Uh, you know, uh, Spectrum. Uh, cable. Cable. Thank yeah. you. I can't even think of words tonight. <laughs> um, and I it is a web based browser. However, I also have a Google Mesh. Uh, set up. Oh. It plugs into the router. It is not a router itself in the traditional sense. It you know, you just plug it into whatever router you've got. Yeah. And then it sends its own um, network out to the rest of the house. And I've got like three total units, one downstairs two to, actually. Yeah, one downstairs and uh, one upstairs and then another one downstairs. And it spreads it really well across the house. And that one is strictly an app based uh, okay. thing. But there again, it has it has a lot of the things that you would do on the the main router. It can do in the in the mesh to, uh, you know, set up its own passwords and set up its mm. own security, et cetera, because it's a it's a second network basically in the house.
0: I should clarify. My setup is kind of like yours. I I, I I forget. Like So I've got the router that. My my provider, internet provider, I have Verizon FiOS. They provide a Wi-Fi router with my system, mm. but I turn off the Wi-Fi aspect of that. So I it's the the Wi-Fi antennas, all that is off, and which I do that partly because I prefer the the Eero, and I don't want them to fight with each other over the radio space, but also. Uh, Verizon has this, like, uh, I forget what they call it, my Verizon or something where they, they kind of carve out a little space for public Wi-Fi. So any Verizon customer who sees one of these Mm. public hotspots can hop on, which I don't, it's not so much that it would be insecure that they could get in and see my files, but they're using some of my bandwidth. They, Mm -hmm. Verizon says they're not, you know, it doesn't really hit you, but heck, I need all the bandwidth I can get and I don't want anybody <laughs> taking any I, I'm greedy when it comes to my bandwidth. So uh and then the Eero does all of my Wi Fi. So that's so that's right. a good point. So the the router that they've uh, supplied, that I can still access via a uh password. Uh, and, uh I'm sorry, via a webpage that I access to my browser. It's a private web page, you, you know, one ninety two dot one six eight dot
2: something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh yeah, I keep my I keep my Spectrum uh Wi Fi still on just in case something happens to my Google and it drops out, then I've still got another one I can try. Hmm. And uh I'm hardwired into the uh Spectrum router in terms of my actual computer. Okay. So
0: Yeah. I have um I have a 16 port switch next to me that I have nearly filled. Enough, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I have a lot of equipment, so (laughs) uh, my situation is is somewhat unusual. But I also have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff on Wi Fi throughout the house. So let's talk about some of these tips that have been provided. The first the first article we're going to go through from is from a site called Naked Security by Sophos. Sophos is an antivirus uh, and security software company, and they have this great blog they called Naked Security, where they, they they cover security news and tips and sort of stuff like that. And so we'll have a link in the show notes. But their first tip is apply the updates. And that's really important. Your router is the router manufacturer is constantly updating its software to cut to fill, you know, make patches for security holes or anything else. And you've got to, if you want your, your router to remain secure and safe, you got to apply the updates. The nice thing with the Eero, for instance, uh, is that it updates its own it automatically updates its own um uh software, firmware, uh ov- overnight when, you know, when I'm sleeping, uh, which is great. I mentioned a couple weeks ago I had some issues with that because it was messing up my home kit setup. It was making my Phillips Hue hub uh lose connection to the internet and not coming back. Uh but in the last update it didn't do that. So I think we might have we might knock on wood be past that. But uh so update. What what do you think of that? Uh, is, uh, for if your if your router doesn't update automatically Is it something that you think a regular person could do or should do? What do you think?
2: I guess most of my customers wouldn't do it. And uh, now in terms of the the Google Mesh, yes, it updates itself too. But my main router, I have to remember to go do it. And quite frankly, I don't do it very often. Right. Uh, It's just out of sight, out of mind. Most of the attacks against a router, I guess, I guess I think that the average person isn't going to be affected by as many things as they put out patches for. Right. Uh, So, you know, I guess if I'm if I see somebody having trouble, that's one of the things I first do is to update the firmware or the, the the router software just in case that's a problem. Okay. Or if I see something that I suspect might be some DNS poisoning or something like that. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. But quite frankly, I don't expect most of my clients to do that. It's a good idea, but yep. mm-hmm.
1: it's not going to happen. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, um, I noticed that my my wireless router. I I'm looking at the settings right now that that it has automatic updates already checked. Good. So I mean, so yours may was, be a
2: later model than most r- most of my clients have. Yeah,
1: that, that, and that's that's what I assume is that maybe the newer models that's automatically turned on because I. I never went in and turn turn that on myself. Yeah, uh, that was just something that was there, which, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. I'm I'm comfortable knowing that that's downloading <laughs> updates on its own. And the average user just, yeah, isn't going to, to isn't probably even think about it or um, not to throw my parents under the bus. But uh, <laughs> I needed to I needed to access their router at one point and. Trying to find the password to get into the router was, you know, kind of a a, a hassle.
2: Yes. To, well, that's pretty private then. <laughs> Which, well,
1: they they also live, you know, out out on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. So even that's added security for right. for that. But, um, but still, like the average person, if you if you ask them if they're going to if they know how to log into their router, they're going to probably give you their Wi-Fi password and think that that's the same thing. It is not. Yeah correct so yeah. i mean i think yeah for most people it's i mean it's it's a very good idea to do it but i uh, the average user i'm not sure if it's mm-hmm. essential so the router i get from
0: the the from my internet provider has the default username and password printed on a label on it uh and we'll mm-hmm. get to the, we'll get to a tip about that in a, in a minute but but the thing is is yes all Get your admin uh, username and password and put it in your password manager, because as we've talked about many times, you should have a password manager. Put that in a secure place so that even if you don't want to do it, if you have somebody, a friend or kid or somebody who comes and helps you, they'll have it and they'll do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also that might be a reason to upgrade your router uh, from from if it's more than a few years old. It might be time because that also kind of goes along with our second tip, which is make sure your encryption is up to date. Now, encryption is how it it, it scrambles the signal between the router and your device, your computer or your phone. Uh, and you're, the right now, the standard is WPA2, so uh, and which is fairly old. I mean, it's been around for 16 years. There are some, some routers used to do WEP. That is a completely insecure. It was cracked many years ago. It, it'll take this, a script kitty about 30 seconds to break into it. So don't use WEP. Um, and frankly, I remember the day when people just didn't put passwords on their routers.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, At least the companies are putting default ones on there. And uh, even making the Wi-Fi sometimes uh Nonsense words joined together. So at least it's something they can type without having to go look at the look it up every second. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's and I think that uh, more more recently, if the router is very slow, anyway, I usually say if it's more than three years old, go go ahead and get either get your company to replace it or uh, go ahead and get a new router. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then the third tip is to which is related, is to pick a proper password. In other words, use a good password. And this, here's something to to say. You don't have to type in your password very often, okay? It's it usually you type it in once to the device when you've changed it, and, you know, the password, and then it's it's set. There are ways to, in fact, in both Android and iOS devices, can you can set them up so that they read a QR code and in and set up your Wi-Fi credentials so and i'll I'll link to an article uh, that I found online that explains how to create the, such a QR code because it's great if you have guests and you want to put them on a guest network, which is another thing we'll talk about in a second uh, or if if you are changing the password on a regular basis and you want you've got you know five kids with phones or iPads and things that need to change them this is a way to disseminate this information fairly pain free so that not everyone has to type it in uh, but have a good password, not an easy to guess password. Uh, and um, there's there's another tip in, the, in a different article that, that we'll mention that recommends changing it once a month. What do you think of that? Is
2: that? The articles that I've read about places that required people to change passwords more frequently actually made it worse because they would then tend to write them down where everybody could see them, you know, real cl- easily so that, so that they wouldn't have a problem logging into their account. It was more problematic to have it changed more often. It was more important that it be a decent password.
1: Right, right. Yeah, uh, I would tend to agree with that. I think if, if you have a change password every month sort of thing, you're going to come up with a, I mean, unless you're using a password manager that randomizes it, you're just going to like have the same base password and then just add like the month, you know, <laughs> right. or the just an increasing number. I remember right. I used to do that for my, um, uh, for the, for the computer that I had at the cathedral because we had to change our passwords every three months. And, and oh. it was just like, so I just, you know, it was just an increasing a pattern, number, but yeah. But, but, yeah, if someone really wanted to try to crack it, if they figured out my base password, then figuring out the the add on would be would be a relatively simple process
2: and I guess too to me it's also a risk of what's the risk if somebody gets that wi fi password? They have to be close enough that they're sitting outside your house, probably, or if you're in an apartment next door mm-hmm. but what what information do you have that is real necessary to secure? If I've got a little ninety-year-old lady in a in a in a little house, the importance of that password versus how complicated it is for it to be typed in right. is, is different than if it's in an office somewhere where you you're you're needing to protect the business secrets. And so, you know, yes, I think it should yeah. be a decent password, but I don't think it should be uppercase, lowercase, three special symbols. And, you know, all of that, making it every other character, you can't type it in. And I right. have more people who get locked out because they can't type it in. Right. You know,
0: the, the other thing to consider is what the data that's, what sort of data can be sniffed by someone who's on your wifi network. Right. And frankly, you know, if you're, Using if you're connecting to your bank, you're connecting to any secure It's already using you know uh, HTTPS and in uh, TLS and various encryption protocols, in addition to whatever your Wi Fi's encryption is. So it's not like they're going to necessarily be able to sniff out your password to your bank or something like that. Uh, I mean, you don't want someone rooting around in the files that if you've got an open file like an uh file server or something like that or, or a, a a public directory that's a, on, available on your local network on your computer or something along those lines. You don't necessarily want someone rooting around in that. But the fact is is most people are probably fairly safe
2: even if someone was on your Wi-Fi network. Um yeah, because many times their their computer's already got a password on it, so that, that stops it from getting any further than the, the front door many right. times. But there's a lot of people that don't have a password on their computer, and I go along with that for my 90-year-olds. But on the other hand, they're probably not more than recipes that they're going to have right. uh, if they're at risk. Yes. And there's already a Wi-Fi password on their router. Right, right. So it's
0: about layers of security. Really, I think, you know, and you don't have to build the the Great Wall of China as your outer layer security necessarily. You know, you don't have to live in a bank vault, basically, uh, as an analogy. Reasonable, reasonable security. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that I would point out, too, is if you are concerned that someone is on your router and is potentially, you know, trying to do something malicious is, (laughs) You can get into your tier router settings and you mm-hmm. can see a device list of every device who's that's connected to your network. And so you can go through that and say, you know, I recognize these 10 devices, but this 11th one, I don't know. And you and most most routers, you can just you can kick that off the network. Um, right. Or change your password you so that yep. from
2: now on it's different.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: Um yeah, that's another good tip is to, to is to periodically look at the list and see who's there, what's on there, what's do you recognize? And, you know, sometimes you'll buy a device and you'll put on your network and what it's tells the router its name is is not immediately obvious to you what it is it's sometimes like the numbers or something yeah and i've actually had a few times where i'm like scratching my head going what is that and it turns out it's oh that's that new you know light bulb or something you know it's like why are you calling yourself that uh so <laughs> it's a it's a but it's worth looking at and sometimes you see like you know jamie's macbook and you're like who's jamie <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> not sorry mine. jamie
0: not on here and you know uh I think you mentioned something uh, else that that's really relevant again another thing about how e- each person's situation is different whether you live on a ranch that's one thing if you live in a in an apartment building well that's mm. a whole another mm. question that you need to be maybe a little more secure with so those those ele- those elements come into it
2: or in a nursing home when you've got lots of people on at that point you've got just like an apartment building you need to you need to protect your stuff
0: right mm-hmm. uh one thing that I, I have done it's as and a lot of Wi Fi routers allow you to do this. Is I've set up separate profiles, so I have a profile set up for all of the devices that my kids access. So there's a couple of iPads and iPhones in there, and uh. With the Arrow, you can do, set up content filtering, so they're not able. Those devices in that section can't access these kinds of sites, or very. I can make specific sites that they're not allowed to access. They will. I can also turn off the Wi-Fi for those devices during certain hours, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, a little. I ran into a little problem. I tried to block streaming services on their devices because I don't want them watching Disney Plus, The Mandalorian, or. You know, anything, you know, YouTube or anything like that, you know, without supervision. That's one of our big things. Uh, But when I turned it off, it turned off Apple Music for them, which I'm fine with them listening to to music whenever. And it's like, oh, how do I? I could whitelist the servers for Apple Music, but I don't know what the servers are. And they're apparently not Apple.com because I tried that. (laughs) So I don't know. So I I, I have to do a little more research on that. But uh I bet you the Care could probably
2: give you a little bit of help on that.
0: You know what? I, I probably should try it. Didn't, I didn't even think to try it. I think I will contact them and ask, uh, you know, how can I whitelist the Apple Music service? And mm-hmm. uh, that's a good idea. So I'm going to if I find out, I will I will report Please. back on the show. Uh, so profiles are a great way to and I also have a profile set up for all of my Internet of Things devices, all of my smart home stuff so that. If I find if if I get like some type of sense that something is violating security, I can shut them all off with just one touch and they're all, you know, off the Internet for whatever, you know, for I don't expect I'm going to use it, but it's it's there for to help.
2: Um, Yeah. Back to the Wi-Fi and the router password, Mm -hmm. Um, if you're helping other people set up routers, you know, like people like your aunt or your uncle or your mom or whatever, uh, one thing I've done is you've got physical security in a house and you've got router security with the firewall, but they need to know. If somebody comes in, how to help them with their router, I've been suggesting that, yes, change the default one that the 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 company puts on it. But then put a little label on the yes. bottom of the router, tape it on the bottom. So physically, a technician's going to go over and look to see what router it is and and look and oh, here it is, you know, mm-hmm. but the uh, nobody who's not in the house could get to it right. And yet it is something that is written down for them. Right, right. That's a good idea. Both a Wi-Fi password and the router password. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be a place to do it. But as I say, I put it on the bottom. It's not visible. It would have to be somebody physically that knew that they were looking for that. And if they're already doing that, then they're already in trouble. Yeah. If it was a bad guy. That's not what they're going to be going in if if they're broke into their house.
0: Yep.
1: Yep. Um. I've got a couple other points to make yep. too. Um one that's helpful if you have iOS devices and sharing a password is that um if you are already connected to like your own per home personal network on your on your iPhone or iOS device and you have a friend come over and you want to share the password on an iOS device when they try to connect to your network, your phone or your iOS device usually if you have it open and it'll recognize that there's another iOS device that wants to connect and you can share the password. Without them uh, through, ever seeing it. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. So that that's especially if you have a super long, complicated password, you can share it without having to type it in. You can share it without them at all seeing what it is. And that's that's super helpful. Thank you. Um The other uh point that I wanted to make too is is routers have the option of of having a guest network as yep. well. So if you're concerned about having a guest who's coming you know connect to to the same exact network where all of your devices are connected you can turn on a guest network which is its own separate you know um id wireless id on your on your device and they can connect to that and then they would be they would be separated from all the other devices and if
2: they've got a virus, that. you're protected. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. So,
1: <laughs> yes, that's often something that you would see seen done or, right. um, you know, some people will have like a little a uh, little framed print on their wall that says, you know, the guest ID is this and here's the right. password. And, um, right. Airbnb, know, a, for instance, or something. Yep, you know? yep. Yep. Airbnb is a great thing that I've seen it at. So,
0: yep. You know the the network name. You like when you look in your Wi-Fi list, and you see all the, the the all the different routers you can attach uh, uh connect to, or the net the wet networks Wi-Fi networks. Uh, so that name is you can choose what it is. Uh, there is a default one. Uh, the the Xfinity one is Xfinity Wi-Fi, and there is a million of them in every neighborhood where there's Xfinity. It's the Same thing with Verizon. Uh, Links it all the, has their own. Yeah, AT and T. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what you can do is is in order to avoid confusion, is you can give your own personalized version of that. Uh there one of the articles suggests that you don't want to use any personal information. You but you don't want to put your address
2: in it, that's for sure. Uh the, and sometimes your name just becomes a um a goad for somebody to say, Huh I, I did I didn't like what she did last week, so yes. I'll try to get in. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So what, put something with initials or with uh, some some uh, pet name or something that nobody else is going to know. Don't
0: don't uh, challenge the hackers to hack in. Hack this, you script kiddies. That's that's uh, a bad my idea. My brother used to use sniper,
2: <laughs> and and he said he never had anybody try to get to him. <laughs> uh,
1: I've seen FBI surveillance van. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that, that's a popular one. Yeah, I've I've just put the TARDIS as my uh, yeah. SSID before. You know, <laughs> yeah. something that I know, but you know, right? It's right. Totally not revealing personal information.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah. The, and yeah, so you don't want to reveal. You can even turn it off so that it doesn't broadcast it. So the only way to connect to your network is if you already know the name. And so you you can enter that in. And so it's sort of hidden. And in fact, you could do that with, uh, I've seen this in, in Airbnbs where they have the primary network hidden. And only the only one you can see is the guest network mm-hmm. so that the owner can always get online uh, with their private uh, Wi-Fi, but that's a little more advanced. Um, one of the things to keep in mind, what one of the tips it gives is to turn on Mac filtering, and this is an advanced tip, where you every device that connects to the internet has a unique number that's that's a hardware number. It's it has to do with the that particular piece of hardware, and uh, normally it doesn't change. It's set at the factory, and that number is what that is. It's and it's a long string of numbers, and you could you could filter it and it broadcasts it. The, each device broadcasts it when it's on the network, and you could say only the device, these devices with these MAC addresses, are allowed on my network. And if you're really trying to be really secure, that might be a thing to do. There is something you have to be careful of, which is that uh, newer devices running iOS 14 or iPad OS 14, and probably I think Big Sur, I haven't installed it yet, and I'm not certain, but uh, it might be true with that as well. Is they have an a option where you can uh, anonymize that number. So you, your device will change it when switching between networks so that you can't be tracked across networks, which is, I think it's a nice idea. So for example, if I walk into in days when we walked into stores, I could walk into JCPenney, their Wi-Fi network sees my device, and then I walk over into Starbucks and their Wi-Fi network sees my device. I don't even have to be on their network. They still see it, uh, my device, because the Wi-Fi is on and they can trade information about people who go to JCPenney, also go to Starbucks, you know, that sort of thing. There there are more uh, nefarious uses of that as well. But if you just don't want to be tracked across Wi-Fi networks, you can turn that on. I don't think it's on by default, but you can turn that on and uh, you can um, anonymize it. But that would interfere with the ability to do this Mac filtering. You would get filtered out every time you turn your device or you you left the house and came back you wouldn't be able to get on you'd have to fix
2: that so just something to keep in mind um there is and, what, and i've had more people that did filtering like that and then all of a sudden could not figure out why the new printer they were had got yeah. wouldn't work and right. so it almost it backfires on you right so you That's, have to use it judiciously
1: and it's amazing how many things that you don't think are on the wi-fi network that are
2: <laughs> yes
1: Yep, especially with everything that you that we buy nowadays. It's right. It's yeah.
0: All it's that nice. smart home stuff, yes, is all on the internet. Um there are other tips in the second article. This the second article is from a website called comparatech.com. Uh but and they have a bunch more a little more advanced uh suggestions, uh, things like turn off universal plug and play. Um, what is, what exactly is universal plug-in play? What is, what, what devices would I have that would use that?
2: Mm, Printers, especially, uh, things like that, because sometimes, uh, or, or, or I'm trying to remember, there was something that you had to poke a a hole in the firewall for a certain device, unless it was plug and play. And when plug and play was there, it didn't have to worry about it. It, it could configure, it would tell the router how to configure the router for it. Oh, okay, that's, that's the what distinction. it is. Yep. So if you want to keep your security safe, theoretically, you should turn off the plug, plug and play so that a device can't tell your router what to do. Right. You want it to be the other way around. You want the router to control what the devices can do. But, and it was for ease of setup. That was really what it was for.
0: But you're going to want to, but then if you do that, you, you're you going to need to manually uh, poke a hole in the firewall, You open right. a port. For every device, make sure that the so that's that's something to keep to keep in mind if you're if you're not handy with that, it's not a huge security hole, and that's just one of the things that we have to keep in
2: mind it's not a huge security hole at the moment uh but, but it and it's the same thing along with the w p s button on the router too where it it says okay you can you can say this printer will will ask the router what is your your password for me, and it'll go get it itself." That is somewhat of a security hole, but how important is it?
0: Right. I mean, someone who would have to have access to your router physically to press that button and, and do that. So, yes, yeah. yes. Um, there, are, there, are, there are some of those turning on the firewall. Definitely should always have your firewall on. In fact, I think most... Newer routers come with the firewall turned on. Um I'm trying to think of other things. Uh, static addresses, you don't want to, probably don't want to deal with that. Well, the one that made me laugh. I have was, had some printers yeah. that I had to do a static address, but that's right. about the only thing. The one that kind of made me laugh is turn off your router at night. And I'm thinking these <laughs> no, days, you know, it's a bad idea just because these days so many maintenance functions for so many computers happen at night when you're not using the computer for school or work or whatever, uh, like for I have, uh, I do uh, cloud backups and I oh. constantly overnight, I've got a lot of data streaming out, you know, and that's the best time to do it. So uh, I, I, I
1: would point out though, that, that, what that what that makes the point though, is that like, if you're sort of in a panic and you think something is going weird and screwy and you just don't know what else to do, Yeah, The simplest way is just just unplug it and turn it off. And I mean, and then and then call call someone who knows what they're doing and, you know, and then kind of regain your footing. So I I would I would use it more in a that kind of a situation versus just a standard. I'm going to turn it off every night for security purposes.
0: Yeah. Um, and then there's, there are some really off the wall ones like creating a Faraday cage and things like that. Well, I won't get into that, but uh, <laughs> no. but you can read them in the links that we'll have in the show notes if you want. But I think if you do the basic ones that we mentioned already, you should be pretty secure. You know, keep a, have a good password, you know, use good encryption, that sort of thing.
2: One of the comments I wanted to make is the, um, the, the VPN thing. I've had several clients that, you know, we talk about VPNs and how, when you go to a hotspot, you should use a VPN because that way nobody can, can uh, see any of the plain text traffic that's going across. But I have a few clients that have gotten so happy to have a VPN that they put it on their home networks too. And in some ways your router is already doing the encryption for Wi-Fi and it basically ends up slowing down your network a whole lot. If you put a VPN on Uh, some of them is about 50% throughput, but, if somebody really was writing that book that was an expose of of their senator and wanted to make sure that nobody got to it, yeah, go ahead and do it. <laughs>
0: right, right. Uh, but yeah, in general, you probably don't need to be running a VPN through your router from
2: your computer, yeah. There are some people who were concerned that, you know, who can see my traffic? Well, of course your internet provider mm-hmm. can see your traffic and they don't want that. Right. So I've got a few, uh, I would say, extreme... Cases that that do run a VPN because of the, of the sites that they go to, they don't want anybody knowing that they've right. been there.
0: There are there are certain professions like lawyers and doctors whose data needs to be very secure, or people who work in government or law enforcement, that sort of thing, whose data needs right. to be very secure. Usually, their their security is provided by their employer, unless Correct. they're self employed and that sort of thing. But yeah, there are cases where you'd you'd want to be ultra secure. Uh, so I get that, I get it. Yeah. All right. I think that should do it for now. If we if we have we might even revisit this uh, topic again, especially if if you the listener have any questions about things we didn't cover any Wi-Fi related Wi-Fi router related questions, we'd be happy to feel them and see uh, you know, some more discussion on it. But uh, this should if you just follow the ones we talked about, that should do you pretty well. So before we move on to our next segment, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Technology, including Kim L., Michael S., Craig C., Mary N, and Daniel Z. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So let's talk about some headlines. Uh, so Microsoft is working to help us. Microsoft tries to kill the pointless work meetings, says the headline. Uh, although I, I do need to point out that Microsoft is somewhat responsible for pointless work meetings by inventing <laughs> PowerPoint. <laughs> so uh, let's just let's just uh, call a spade a spade here with Microsoft. You know what I mean? You have, you have things to make up for. Uh, now apparently, according to the article, I'm not sure exactly wh- wh- how this is going to kill the pointless meeting, but it says that they've they're patenting a technology that could through a mix of cameras and sensors for physical gatherings uh predict the likelihood of a meeting being useful and suggest alternative times locations and people if a meeting was likely to be ineffective, it'll score meeting unnecessary meetings on body language, facial expressions, the number of attendees and i'm I'm kind of I didn't read the patent filing because it's legally and very dry, but I'm trying to figure out is this we're going to grade meetings that you're already had and and then tell you whether you should continue to schedule more of them
2: because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Is it it's saying, you know, yeah. subscribe to our service. We'll tell you the times that we think you should reschedule a meeting because the time was bad or people seem to be checking out because it was after lunch on a Friday and things <laughs> right. like that. Um uh, I I, here's a product in search of a need, I think. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yeah, they're they're not. It's not going to get at the heart of what what makes a problematic meeting. They're they're not going to be able to, you know, the the, the person who wants to go on a tangent for 20 minutes that I mean, yeah, I guess it'll it'll notice all the the scowls and the the facial (laughs) recognition, but you're not going to solve that problem through just rescheduling the meeting for a better time that, you know, you might have more coffee in your system.
2: Oh, I've been well, in and some... it sounds like there's better management techniques that can be used rather than this type of a of a grading system. Oh, I, mm-hmm.
0: I I would hate to think of the, the low scores that some of the meetings I used to go to at the <laughs> uh, pastoral center in Boston the, for the archdiocese. Oh, man, some of those all hands meetings were painful. So, yeah,
2: maybe it's, it is a way, oh. though, for people who are concerned about it to turn on some type of metric system. Yeah. So that they have something to back up there. Hey, we're spending 90 percent of our time in meetings that have no mm-hmm. point to them. Right. I could see that maybe if you That's were true. having an efficiency expert come in and look at your company.
1: That's right. true. It would be foolish, though, to let the, the software say, you know, we're going to let Microsoft figure out when we should schedule meetings that that it should it should be a tool to help the the management rather than a directive from Microsoft yeah well, you would hope you would hope <laughs> yes right. uh, so
2: i'm sorry bill says we have to do this on tuesday morning <laughs> at 9:30 yeah, yeah yeah that
0: bill gates is messing uh, up my life um so uh, our next headline um, Amazon, we've talked before, we mentioned before about this new Amazon Sidewalk feature. Amazon Sidewalk is turning on in your Alexa app, whether you want it or not. I used the A word. It didn't turn on my devices. That's good. I, I had to stop and, and check uh, whether she's listening. Uh, so we, as we said before, Amazon Sidewalk is a is a feature kind of, it's not a user feature. It's a feature built into all of Amazon's devices that lets them use a bit of your Wi-Fi network to connect other devices. Your so the your cameras and your other in, but also it, it sort of extends the range of your network, including sometimes through devices that don't belong to you, that aren't yours, but are like your neighbors or someone walking past. And sort of creates this giant mesh, basically, this this uh this Uh, I'm trying to think of the the best way to a cloud of of connectivity that sort of moves out from your home and anything that enters that cloud can use some of it. It sounds. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Have you seen The Dark Knight?
0: Uh, Yes. (laughs) That's
1: what it reminds me of is like using all the other cell phones as pings to. But that's probably not a good analogy.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. So, well. I've, I've seen some things about towns that set up a, a, a little mesh network using uh, very simple routers to allow people out on the street to be able to use Wi-Fi without having to use their cellular. It's kind of that like that only in neighborhoods.
0: Well, it, but it's not – this isn't something that you would connect to on your phone. This isn't okay. a way for you to get online. Uh, so, this is what the Amazon's message says Amazon is, Sidewalk is a shared network that helps devices work better. For example, if your device loses its Wi Fi connection, Sidewalk can simplify reconnecting to your router and help set up new echo devices. You can also extend the coverage for sidewalk enabled devices such as ring smart lights and pet and object trackers so they can stay connected and connect continue to work over longer distances. So for example, if I have a ring camera that goes off my Wi-Fi network, there is a secondary network that says, hey, that ring camera is not connected. Let's reconnect it and give it and give that information from a like through blue it's almost like a Bluetooth connection, like with tile trackers and that sort of thing. The thing is, is there may be reasons for you to not want this on on your devices. Uh, some people are a little leery of the security implications. They're a little leery of Amazon having a private network of all of your echoes and rings and whatnot in your home, separate from your regular network that lets other people connect through your network. Your philosophy of privacy is going to have a lot to do with whether you think this is a good thing or not. Um, There are some people who who have an aversion to the tile trackers because your phone not only helps you find your tiles, but it helps any tile user find any of their tiles that are near your phone privately. But some people get the heebie-jeebies. Well, the, the, the Amazon Sidewalk Network is turning on, and you may not know that. It's on on your devices. If you have the uh, Amazon Alexa app on your device, your phone, your iPhone or Android phone, you can open it up. You go to uh, see more settings, account settings. There's an Amazon Sidewalk uh, section, and you could click the button to turn Sidewalk off if that's what you want to do. I, th- I I personally I have it off for now. Let somebody else be the beta guinea pig, and uh, I'll, you know, I'll we'll go with from there. But uh that's just my personal preference.
2: Yeah, and I, I can understand why. You know, I've had a lot of people that are very unhappy with doorbell cameras or the outside cameras because their Wi-Fi really isn't strong enough to go through their wall to yeah. the outside. And so, if you had a neighborhood where the this was the all in effect, then yes, right. it would help all of them. Right, but. Yeah, I think it's until it gets to a certain point, people are going to be too, too concerned
1: to to actually give it a try. Right. I just wish it wasn't turned on by default. That's. I'd rather it be similar. an opt-in versus uh you're you're in it whether you want to or not until you opt out.
0: Right. Yeah. Opt out is always bad. Bad for the user. Just you know, unless it's a security feature, then opt me in. Like we were seeing with the <laughs> Wi-Fi routers. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. So the next headline. This is this one's just for you, Father. This is uh, <laughs> Super Nintendo Land is opening in Japan on February fourth of twenty twenty one. Apparently, they're not being held back by COVID. Uh, and you said that uh, earlier. You told me that there's one coming to Orlando as well, right?
1: Yeah, because it's it's uh, Universal is the the broader umbrella oh, okay. company. So Universal Studios in Orlando, I. Last I heard, I haven't looked recently, but last I heard they were in process of building the same sort of park, but in Orlando. Okay, but I don't remember when the the debut date of that was supposed to be. And I'm unfortunately not going to go to Japan in February for this. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it looks really cool. And from a technological point of view, they they have a. Um, looks like a Mario Kart roller coaster with AR glasses that you can actually compete against other people on the ride.
2: Wow. So
1: that would be a heck of a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. Well, see, now you just have to have them do a really good walk through VR experience so you can do it on your quest. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Which I'm looking forward to.
0: <laughs> yeah. they. Uh, yeah. So it's 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 a roller coaster. So the car you're in is on rails. But because you're wearing an AR helmet, it looks like you're moving all over the place. So um,
1: the, that, the one minute sort of preview looked really cool. Yeah. Um. And I just I just pulled up a, a web browser. The Orlando one is supposed to open sometime in 2024. Oh, so
2: we got a ways to wait.
1: COVID yeah. will be long gone by then. So I'll I'll uh, <laughs> I'll go to that one. There you go. All right.
0: And then our last one, this is a kind of a fun little one. This is. It's sort of technology related. Uh, there's a social scientist on Twitter, named name is Kate Petrova, who came up with some interesting data. And this is correlation data, not necessarily, you know, uh, causal. But she, she came up with this data that tracks, if I can see if I can say this correctly, because I'm not a, I'm not a social scientist. It tracks people's reviews of scented candles on Amazon, mostly mainly the review reviews from people who say their candles don't smell like anything. And it tracks with the prevalence of coronavirus uh, infections in the country. And as you know, one of the symptoms of coronavirus is you lose your sense of smell. And so there's this idea that the reason people are giving all these bad reviews to scented candles is because they've lost their sense of smell and they don't realize they have COVID. there, there actually have a lot of people out there who are they don't get the fever or whatever, or they get a mild one, but they get that symptom. And she's got a whole Twitter thread of all this data that she she goes through. But it's kind of interesting to to look. I I love this sort of data correlation stuff
2: out there that, you know, whether it's it's not necessarily causal. It's just interesting to see how. As the wave of people, the proportion of people who complained about the scented candles was going up up at the same time as the the infections were going up. Right. And, uh, and and down again when it went down. And so it was interesting, too. People said it would be nice to see if we could do a study of like perfume, other perfumed products and see whether that was the same thing. Right. And um uh, but, yeah, it's going to take some data gathering and in a way that people would have reported it, which is Amazon has a great way of people doing reporting on products. Right. So that's self-reporting. And at first she started with just one candle, Yankee Candle. And people said, well, it's always a little bit less fragrant than the other candles. Maybe maybe just people were complaining about their quality. So she went back in and looked at four other brands. And the same yeah. rates applied.
0: And the, and the the re- reviews of she showed the reviews of scented versus unscented candles, like candles that are sold as unscented. And there was a difference. There was a clear difference. The The unscented candles, they were fine. They their People didn't
1: were care fine.
2: about the, the quality was fine for those. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and it and it's sort of just funny, too. I mean, it's 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 fun to kind of look at it from the covid perspective, because I suspect that many of them are indeed covid related. But on the flip side, we're such social creatures that like what I see and what I hear from other people has can very much have an effect on how I react to something. So if I if I go on Amazon and I see a bad review or someone said, Mm -hmm. oh, this this just didn't have that powerful of a scent. And then I get the same candle. I could already be psychologically be be biased it's thinking that this candle isn't as strong as it should be and then having the same sort of reaction. Right. You know, and, and so like, yeah, social sciences are just crazy complicated, but but fascinating. Well, it,
2: it was interesting, too, that they compared it to the target thing with a pregnant uh, teenager. Uh, right. That we talked about some time ago mm-hmm. yeah. where they mm-hmm. they they sent ads for pregnancy yep. products to somebody that didn't know they were pregnant. Yep. Uh, because in, in, this type of social data is fun. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily going to change the world, but it sure is interesting. <laughs> right, right. Well, actually, I've been I've been reading
0: articles like social scientists here and behavioral scientists. This is like a giant society-wide experiment. The whole the lockdown, the, you know, <laughs> everyone's behavior changes at once. And so, how does that? You know, let's look at the data for that. Um, I think there was I read an article, the New York Times article about how people's shopping habits, food shopping habits, changed, and what people ate and what people bought and how people shopped like just the foods people ate over the first six months of the how it changed if at first people were eating comfort food and then people were eating Mm. convenience foods and like it was just this very interesting uh progression and so yeah so behavioral scientists social scientists um as bad as things are they're going to have a field day looking at the data from this year (laughs) I
1: will point out, this is, I I went to Walmart today, um, totally during non-busy times, and it was the first time that I'd ever really paid attention and noticed all the Walmart shoppers shopping for other people Hmm. that had had gotten their, you know, the pickup orders and stuff. But my first thought walking in was, why are they stocking the shelves? And then it was, oh no, they have all these grocery bags, and I'd never really paid attention until for some reason today when I was at Walmart, so... That has yeah, changed that's, how we change too.
2: How many people now will will allow people to do shopping for mm-hmm. them? Oh, the, yeah, yeah.
1: Other people are going to choose their their fresh produce for them, but.
2: Yeah, we we did a Instagram- we have a household <laughs> difference on that. Yes,
0: <laughs> we we did a like a delivery order on Monday, and it's like no, a, a jasmine rice is not the same as Arborio rice. I can't make risotto with jasmine rice, uh, although not as bad as the friend who got who ordered a bag of Brussels sprouts and got a Brussels sprout. Oh, <laughs> that was, that's a good. One. But you know, you well, mentioned having all the shoppers. The, some of these grocery chains have. Opened up closed stores that they've they recently closed as I forget what they call them like ghost stores that they're only stocked for delivery they're like they're they're only mm-hmm. open for set, getting picking delivery orders and stuff and pickups it's it's fascinating
2: yeah there's a there's a block of of uh, one big large building here on Burnett Road that basically is all kitchens for delivery only you can't go and order food there oh wow interesting it's strictly just for delivery. Wow. All right.
0: So I think that should do it for our headlines this time. So there's uh, some interesting headlines. Uh, Let's move right on to our picks of the week. Pat, what's your pick of the week?
2: Well, I happen to notice that I that uh, Amazon Prime had another uh, convenience factor that I hadn't seen before or hadn't paid attention to. In addition to Prime movies and Prime music, they have Prime games. And these are not just the, the little tiny square games that you can go play chess or checkers or, or Candy Crush on. These are kind of longer games. Uh, you know, one's kind of a detective game in which you have been locked into this place and you have amnesia and you don't know how to get out. And it's beautiful graphics and nice, interesting music and large full screen. And they're all free. And uh, they also have things that will connect to other games. They call them loot so that you can within Amazon Prime you can get loot for other games that are associated. And of course Amazon owns Twitch. So that's right. that's another tie in. But these are totally free games. I downloaded about 5 or 6 of them, kind of played a little bit with each one and I thought they're pretty good. They're much better sometimes than some of the casual games that I've seen on the I- iPhone, for instance, or Android. Mm-hmm. They're they're much more detailed. And uh so these pretty. are pretty f- These are mobile games or? I'm sorry. These are uh, uh, PC games. They don't have any for Mac yet. I am so sorry. But these are PC Windows games at this moment. And uh, I'm sure that they will expand on that. But Mm. uh, I was really surprised. And uh, there was one anime type gaming company that had about. 10 of their titles out there. And one of them was some of their classic games. And I kept, sorry, I can't remember the name of them now, but it was initials and SKNI, and or I don't know what it was, but at <laughs> any rate. Um, and so it was, there was a whole section of those anime type uh, yep. games that you could go play.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of loot crates and that sort of stuff uh, listed on their site too. Interesting.
2: Now, I hope that they will get into the Mac side, but, uh, you know, at least this is a nice start for some of the people who are stuck at home wanting something to do that's a little (laughs) bit more exciting than than uh, Solitaire. Well,
0: it should help mollify those who critics who think that we're uh, we're heavily biased toward Apple and Mac stuff. So uh, that's right. (laughs) This is is for you all. Uh, All right. Father Andrew, what's your uh, pick this week?
1: So my pick this week uh, was very much chosen in line with our topic this evening, it's the Circle Home Plus. Um, it is not a product that I personally have, but I've heard Kim Commando recommend it, and I've heard really good things about it. It's basically a family kind of protection and monitor monitoring uh, monitoring kind of hardware and software for your home network. so the mm-hmm. Home Plus is an actual physical cube shaped device that you plug into your router, and once you set it up, you can um, it will It will basically recognize all the devices that connect to that router. And then as the parent, you can set up profiles for each of those devices and you can set time limits. You can restrict websites. You can you can restrict uh, certain apps. You can, um, you know, monitor what what your children are are doing. You can add time as a reward if they've, you know, uh, done really well in school or something. You want to give them a little extra time. On YouTube, mm-hmm. say you can add more time. It's it's a parent parental monitoring tool uh, for for a home network, and but there's also an app that the the parent would have on their um, iOS or Android phone. But also, if they install the app on say their child's iOS or Android, they can then have the same filtering and and monitoring software built into the phone and that can be used outside of the network so if they go to a friend's house or they go to anywhere else if they have that app on their phone and then as a as a parent you have it set that they can't delete the app Mm -hmm. then then that same filtering software is is used there so it's a it's a really a really good uh parental tool for for your home network but it also i mean yeah 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 and and in in some of the other things that we're talking about it will actually notify you if somebody new connects to the network. So again, if you have unknown people connecting to the network, it will tell you that it has features in it that if, if your child wants to try to get around the system and even unplugs it, it will send notifications to the parent that, Hey, this was unplugged and it's got its own internal battery. So it actually doesn't shut off, but it (laughs) stays working. So, and, and if you unplug the ethernet cable, that's, Connected it hardwired to the router. It will go to Wi-Fi and connect to the router and stay connected. So there's there's cool ways that it'll try to prevent you know a, a teenager from trying to circumvent the system. Um, but then it'll always send notifications to the to the, the parent who set it up that hey you know this was attempted to be uh, kicked offline or or whatever. And then you can have and then it you can have the conversations with your children and hey right. you know what's going on and. Try to have those those kind of uh, safety features involved for your kids. So, it is it costs roughly ten dollars a month as a subscription for the service, or you can pay a, a flat three hundred dollars for a lifetime subscription. Mm. And I know at one point it's not there anymore, but I know a few years ago Disney sort of uh, almost co sponsored it. It used to, it used to be yeah. called Circle with Disney, and Disney kind of had had some. Uh, they would share videos through it for the kids and everything, and so they they promoted it as well but i don 't they 're not currently uh listed with it, but okay, I know Disney at least was behind them as well
0: right that 's a good one um the best security to for your kids online is to uh, conversation with them, but this is yep. a great way to to enable that conversation right <laughs> keep right. keep them, keep them honest <laughs> so that 's good. Uh, so mine, mine, actually, mine is also sort of kid related. Mine is pick of the week is a an iPad case that we picked up when we we set aside a, a newish iPad that we had for the use of the kids. And um, we've had troubles in the past where the kids have been careless or you know with the iPads, and we've had broken screens and that sort of thing. And I was not willing to let this newer iPad. I mean, those are usually obsolete, except for my. My beloved iPad Pro that my daughter dropped uh, when she was carrying it to me. Uh, I still have flashbacks of seeing it fall. But uh, so um, this is a so this is a iPad case called, from C Mac S E Y M A C, and this is a really strong drop protection case. It has, you know, it's got the rubber thing all around it, which is good. It's got good splash protection. I'm not sure I would drop it in a pool, but uh, it's it's got rubber coverings for all the ports and that sort of stuff. It has a stand so you can have a, you know, prop, a kickstand to prop it up. It has a handle so you can slide your hand in the back to hold it securely one handed, which is great. And it rotates so you can do portrait or, uh, or landscape. And it has a strap to put around your neck so that when the kids are walking around with it, although they keep the strap so long they could practically drag it sometimes like the smaller one. (laughs) <laughs> like, like tighten up that strap. She could kick it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh but it's got a strap, so you can they can strap it around them, and just like th- several different ways of keeping it secure. It's a really it's really great. It's twenty three dollars. It's That's you know pretty
2: inexpensive. Yeah,
0: yeah, twenty three dollars versus a several hundred dollar device. Uh, take it. Um, it's a, it's a nice one, and uh, it, it goes together in like three it's like three pieces that three separate pieces that, that clip together. It went together fairly easy. Um it doesn't come out all that easy necessarily, but you probably won't have to take it out of it very often. Um yeah. So it's uh it's nice. And in fact there is a, a the part of it is a cover for the screen itself. So it's a screen protector built into it. So yeah, it's it's um good device. All right. I think that should do it from us. So what did you think of our discussion? If you have any questions about anything we talked about, including home Wi-Fi security, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com starquestmedia StarQuest Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Uh, be sure if you have not yet done so, subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube at the SQPN YouTube channel. We should make sure to also hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Of course, this was great. Pascal, thank you as well. Glad to be here, thank you. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.